This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're going to manage the kids without a lot of help in episode number 140. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Today, I'm going to tell you about managing your kids without a lot of help. I get so many variations on this question. So many moms are in this place. It doesn't really matter what your situation is. Maybe you're a single mom, and so you're always managing the kids without help. Maybe your husband is in the military or travels for business a lot, and so you're frequently doing it without his help. Maybe he works long hours. Maybe you and your husband are both there, but you feel like you never get a break because you don't have a lot of family in the area. It doesn't really matter what your situation is. We're not really here to judge one person's situation over the other, and things are going to look different. Some moms really and truly are doing it all the time without any help. Other moms just feel like they they virtually have no help. It doesn't matter. My my intent is to give you strategies that can help you regardless of your situation. And I've had experience, various experiences with this across my 18 years of parenting. And I, so I feel like I have some insight that I can offer and some help that I can give. You heard me say this a couple podcasts back, and if you've listened to all of my podcasts, heard me say this many, many times, the number one thing that I am going to suggest to you in managing your kids, especially if it's just you or just you most of the time, is that you have a routine. I think most moms are open to this idea. I usually get one or two responses. One response is that, Okay, I would like to have a routine, but I have absolutely no idea how to do that. And the other is, well, I don't do well with routines. I kind of like to not be held back by routines. And so those are two responses that I get. And I, and I feel like regardless of where you're coming from, if you are trying to manage your child or children without a lot of help, a routine is your biggest helper. If you like spontaneity that's fine. You can be spontaneous, but be on a routine most of the time. Don't expect every day to be spontaneous because every day spontaneity turns into everyday chaos. And especially with young children, it tends to turn into everyday unhappiness. And the unhappiness isn't necessarily because you're doing anything wrong. It's just little kids have... They have so little control in their lives. And most most people, little kids included, want some level of control. And so little kids who have no routine, I mean, they're just... And I'm not saying control for anybody, kids or adults, in any sort of negative way. It's just like you like feeling like you have a handle on your day. You like feeling like you have some say in what's going on in your life and that there's just this sense of, okay, I feel like I'm on an even keel. I feel I'm in control. So when I talk about a little kid wanting to have some control, like I'm not implying that little kids are tyrants or anything or that they're brats or any of those stereotypes that, that people may have, um, 
perpetuated about little kids. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, they like having a sense of control. And the, the ironic thing for them is that when their day is going according to the routine that they know, they feel in control and they have, they have some safety. It's, you know, it's, they can test boundaries because they know, you know, they can test within the boundaries. So if you think about, say, a playground, a fenced-in area as a living analogy for this. So if your child has a playground, then your child knows that I can test boundaries by climbing to the top of the jungle gym or sliding down this super high slide. And they can do that and they don't think necessarily about going outside the playground because right now that's, you know, their boundary is the playground. That's where they need to safely be. So they're able to enjoy within it instead of, you know, we have a park at our, at, at a library in a town close to us and it's, it's not fenced in. And so Phoenix, who's almost two, well, he will be happy on the playground for a little bit and, climbing on the jungle gym there's this super high slide and he is fearless I guess that's part of being baby number eight you know he'll climb right up and go down but after a while when he gets bored there's no fence and so he wants to start looking for something else and instead of sitting down to you know dump dirt all over his feet and down his shorts and everything it's oh look I'm gonna go over there and then both mom and Phoenix end up exhausted and somewhat miserable because Phoenix has made a break for it like 15 times and mom has had to make a break after him like 15 times and bring him back to the playground area and it just ends up being really tiring whereas if there were a fence you know he might go to the edge of the fence and look out at the dog at the dog park on the other side of the fence or whatever but then he would probably go back and do something with the dirt or slide again or ask to go on the swing you know so boundaries Though they are limiting, they can also be freeing. And a routine does that. So it gives your child a sense that, okay, I'm in control. I know I'm going to eat breakfast. And they, your little kid is probably not going to look at the clock and know that breakfast is at, say, 7.30 a.m. And then we're going to go on a walk at 8 a.m. And then we're going to come back in and read stories at 9 a.m. They may not know that, but they know there's a general flow and a routine to the day. We eat breakfast, and then I play at the table for a minute while Mama cleans up. and uh, Or maybe Mama cleans up and, and I use a dish rag and pretend to help her clean up, or maybe if I'm a little bit older, actually help dry the dishes. And then we go out on a walk, and we walk, and we explore the neighborhood, and then we come back and mama reads to me and then we have a morning snack and so they don't necessarily know that there's what time it is but they know that there's a usual routine and a flow to the day and what that does is it sets up to where you're not exhausted so going back to my analogy of the playground and Phoenix realizes that when we're at that park he can make a break for it and so 15 or 20 breaks for it later I'm exhausted and crabby and he's exhausted and crabby and it's just not fun and that's the way that our lives can end up being and sometimes things just aren't going to work for example your toddler wants to watch Paw Patrol at 9:30, and you know that you guys need to do something else or you wanted to go on a walk. And so you're dragging a sulky toddler around on a walk who wanted to watch Paw Patrol instead of walking and neither one of you really enjoy it. Or, 
you know, your toddler is cranky because he or she needs a nap, but you don't have a regular nap routine. And so your toddler is just kind of cranky perpetually through the afternoon and either gets super wound up by bedtime and can't go to sleep or they end up falling asleep at an inopportune time, like for the five minutes that it took you to get from the house to the library. And then they think that they've had a nap, but they really haven't. So they're exhausted. You know, there's just a, a bunch of different things that can happen. Whereas if something is part of your routine, it's, you know, that your child can still have these experiences and you can still offer your child some choices, but they can be part of the routine. For example, say that you do want to allow your child to watch Paw Patrol or Adventures in Odyssey or something. And, but you know that, okay, I want my preschooler, let's say as a preschooler, my preschooler to help me pick up in the afternoon. So my preschooler knows that if he or she chooses to help pick up, then he or she can choose to watch a TV episode for 20 minutes while I'm getting dinner on the table. And if they choose not to help me clean up and I have to do it, then they know that they've just got to sit on the couch and we're not going to watch an episode. So something like that can be part of the routine and even can help provide incentive to get cooperation from a child to, to help with something. But if they ask to watch adventures in odyssey at 9 30 a.m you can say no if you you know if you help me clean up this afternoon we'll choose an episode for you to watch then but it's not time for that right now and it's just the way that i i've always explained routines and little kids is in general you never meet a toddler having a temper tantrum because the sun came up you really don't some may have a temper tantrum about the sun going down if they associate it with bedtime but your toddler just doesn't have a tantrum about the sun coming up because it just happens. And when you have a routine, it works in a similar way. It's to you and your child, it can basically be like the sun comes up, the sun goes down, we don't really have a say, it doesn't care if we tantrum or not. We eat breakfast at this time and we take a walk at this time and we take a nap at this time. And we have read-alouds at this time. So it's just, it's just the way that it is. And it ends up eliminating a lot of decisions, which can be good. Overload makes everybody cranky. And it ends up eliminating um, a lot of uh, just a lot of crabbiness, a lot of bickering, especially if you're managing a number of children on your own. It, it can be structured. And you can also structure multiple children in this way. Now, the very best resource that I know, if if you're trying to just do a general routine, I've, I've done uh, podcasts about routines and things, and it's pretty easy to set up a general routine for yourself and, and a little one or a couple little ones. If you're trying to structure multiple kids, including older kids, especially if you happen to be a homeschooling family, the best resource that I've found is Terry Maxwell's book, Manager... Uh, managers of their homes and that book is from a christian perspective so you're definitely going to get that faith-based perspective in there but really and truly it's the best practical manual i've found for how to set up a routine that includes many individuals or multiple individuals it's still what i use for myself and the kids um, to get us through we are we homeschool and have eight kids at home so it's that's a lot and it really helps me so that if you need practical help that I I haven't found a better resource than that um but otherwise you know you can set up a, a general routine and it doesn't it, one of the things that Terry says in um in the manager is that 
it's okay to to kind of tweak it like you're probably going to set up a routine and first of all implement it in stages so say we're going to go through like 9 a.m and test that out for a couple days and then we'll go through lunch and then we'll go through the afternoon and then we'll go through the evening and maybe your routine kind of you know the formal routine might end say when dad gets home or when you have dinner or whatever or you may decide that especially if you have young kids who are going to go right on to bed shortly after dinner, the routine might just go right through their bedtime. You can implement it in stages and you're probably going to tweak. Like you're going to find that there's things that don't work well or if it's like me where I'm kind of coordinating multiple kids, I'll realize that, you know, I told Galen that he needs to be in two different places at once. He's supposed to have a playtime with Phoenix and do his math at 9.30 a.m. And oops, he can't do that. So little things like that will get flushed out. But within a couple weeks you will probably find that things are moving much more smoothly. Now, it doesn't. It does require self-discipline on your part, and that can be difficult. But I have found repeatedly that the fruits and the benefits of of getting myself to follow the schedule. I I I will go and say, okay, I'm I'm just gonna let it go today, and I almost always regret that. And a schedule can also, it doesn't necessarily just have to be daily. A schedule can facilitate things weekly. Like for us, Fridays are our slow day. And so Friday, my schedule has that I can do stuff for MBBC or I can do um, uh, college classes, studies, uh, catch up there. Or that's also my errand day. So if I have appointments that I need to schedule for the kids or that sort of thing, then I'm going to schedule those on Fridays. And so we know that, but it's still, it's part of the routine. We know that Friday is always the out and about day. Or during the school year, my kids do scouting on Monday evenings. So we know that every week on Monday evenings, we're going to be at the church for scouts. And um, another thing is sometimes, and sometimes it's going to, you know, sometimes you're going to end up doing differently. So for example, this week, even though we've already started our homeschool year, we're a few weeks into our homeschool year, my oldest three kids are at youth camp this week. And so we're just taking a break from school. That was one of the reasons I started a little bit early. Um, we could take this week off, but we're taking a break from school and Sadie needs an eye exam. So tomorrow we're going to go get, the little ones and I are going to go check, eyes checked, and then we're going to run a couple errands and then have lunch. So the this week is different. It's not our normal routine, but next week we'll be back to that regular routine. And I've learned that when I honor that routine, I feel a lot more sane. And so I would just really encourage you that routine is probably going to be your biggest partner. So when you're managing kids without a lot of help, your routine is your helper. And one more thing to say, and this is going to be basically true for everything that I say on this, but you can fully expect that it may get worse before it gets better. I've coached so many clients at this point who, okay, Kristen, I started implementing a routine and my kid or kids are just going crazy. And I call this kind of the dying fly effect. I don't know if y'all have the unpleasantics of having flies in the house, like house fly in the house. And you can always tell when that fly is getting close to expiring because all of a sudden this fly that's just kind of been annoyingly bumbling around will start Okay, sorry ladies, let me recollect my thoughts. I had a 
little a little person talking to me there. Anyway, so a dying fly. You know, when they're getting close to expiring, the fly will start just kind of like erratically zooming around at high speeds, banging into everything. And it, it's really kind of icky, so I, I apologize for even relating it. But it's a good analogy for what especially children will do when you implement a change. You have to stick with the change because oftentimes it will get worse before it gets better. It's like that dying fly, um, but it will get better. And remember, like I said, if you're implementing a routine, give yourself a couple weeks. Um, only do like to mid-morning for the first couple days, then add until lunch and then go for forward with that and tweak as you go along so you may end up having to change a couple things. And with a littler kid, it can just be a really gentle basic routine. We eat, then we clean up, then we go for a walk, then we read books, then you have an alone time for a little bit while mama works and then we make lunch together and that kind of thing. It's just much more gentle. If you have more kids, it may look a little bit more regimented. Um, or more intentionally planned routine rather than just a rhythm. A rhythm, I guess, would be how I would say it when you have only one or two younger kids. It's more of a rhythm to the day, like we might think about our foremothers having had when they were homemakers. Um, but it needs to be a, probably needs to be a little bit more if you've got more than one, you know, more than a couple kids that you're managing. Um, so do expect that you may get a little bit of pushback. It may get worse before it gets better. But like I tell my clients is let's just stick with it for uh, a few more days and, and let's troubleshoot as we go along and see what's happening. So trust that your routine can be your helper. Now another thing that's really important when you're managing kids without help is consistency. Consistency is key. This is another one of those security things that's like the routine. Um, your child is going to respond badly if they don't pick up their room one day and you literally explode and take away screen time for three weeks. And then another day, if they didn't clean their room, you're going to be like, oh, that's okay, we'll clean it up in the morning. Or, okay, well, you don't get screen time tonight. So you need to, you need to be consistent. And to be consistent, you have to have clarity. Uh, so I, and clarity doesn't have to be complicated. One of the things with being consistent is it needs to be simple for you as well. So one of the things that our family has done is try and kind of think about uh, family standards that we have. And those are a little more all-encompassing of things like, uh, for example, family standards. Maybe we don't smoke. We don't do drugs. Uh, these are our modesty standards, you know, for clothing. So you, I don't want you to go around in Daisy Dukes in a tube top. You know, that might be family standards. And those, there may be more than one of those things because you're just addressing different areas. But, um, they're pretty logical. Like if you would think about rules for civil behavior in a workplace or at a school or something, it's all those same kinds of kinds of categories. Um, but then if you're thinking about consistency with like expectations and consequences, kind of family rules, you want to try and keep things pretty simple. And that's something we've tried to do in our family is kind of simplify. So for us, um, it's be nice be respectful, which is encompassed by nice, but but has a little bit of a different flavor to it. Um, do your schoolwork and chores, and then try to have a positive attitude. And so this four rules 
kind of and that go into like our family's rules and so other things fit nicely into that so if you're hitting your brother you're not being very nice if you're talking back to mom without disagreeing in an appropriate way you're not being respectful if you go through your brother's things without asking him you're not being respectful of his boundaries so you see how these kind of they're they're they encompass other things but that's not a lot to remember you don't want to overwhelm your children and you don't want to overwhelm yourself because if you have 50 different rules with 50 different consequences how can you be consistent and then thinking about consequences um, and consequences can be positive or negative so consequences like um, you know being nasty to somebody there may be a consequence like for example our de facto consequence in our family is an extra chore and an extra chore looks different like for Sadie an extra at four an extra chore looks different than it might be say for Cassidy at 17. So there are differences and you can customize it to the level of the child but it you know it fits um, and sometimes consequences are going to feel really natural and uh, you know like if you mess something up if you get a toy out that you weren't supposed to have out, that toy may go away. Or if you leave a toy out, that toy may go away. So sometimes those consequences are natural. Um, but for our family, t consequences tend to be an extra chore, uh, losing screen time, or if it, if you refuse to help clean up or, or refuse to pick something up, often that, that thing will go away, at least temporarily. So when you think intentionally about this and try and simplify it makes it easier for you to be consistent. And then, like I said, consequences can be positive things, too. Like if everybody completes their schoolwork, we're going to have a family game time in the evening and be able to enjoy that together. And and in, in my house, kids play different games. Asher and Brennan enjoy playing a game together. Sometimes we like playing a game together that everybody can play. Um, sometimes the older kids do something and I'll do something with the little ones. So it can be different. But that there's just kind of these incentives and rewards and sometimes they change up like especially when you're trying to instill new habits something like a treat may be an incentive like you're trying to get a chore routine you've got a routine going and now you're trying to get everybody doing chores on time in that routine they may know that if they finish their chores on time there's a treat um, and then gradually you're going to maybe phase out needing a treat every time. So there's just a treat in the evening and, and that kind of thing. But anyways, you know, consistency is important. So think through intentionally and simplify as you um, intentionalize what you're doing. That will really help you. Um, another thing to remember when you're handling kids without a lot of help is that you need to leave your emotions at the door and it is incredibly hard for us as moms to do that for so many reasons but the biggest reason is that you are so intrinsically wrapped up in your child and I and I say this speaking as a mom it's like you're so intrinsically wrapped up in your child that everything feels personal. And I can I can give you this advice and I can promise you, mamas, I'm going to need to come back and listen to this myself. So please don't think that I'm talking down to you. I'm just talking real to you. Um, but everything's personal. It's like, and it, it, it's right away. It's like, you may feel like my birth experience didn't go the way that I wanted to. What did I do wrong? And my baby isn't sleeping well through the night. What does that say about me as a mom? And my three-year-old um, 
laid down on the floor and uh, and had a, a fit at wherever they're at. And that's all about me. And it, and it could be, you know, so my kids stood up and did this good thing. You know, my kids stood up for the underdog or whatever. And so I feel good because of that. That You know, that's my kid. And and so it goes, you know, it goes always. Um, it, but it makes it really hard for us to leave our emotions at the door. And when you think about it, it's it's part of the reason why we especially have to grow as our as our kids grow because you know you think when you're pregnant you and your baby are two separate beings but you're literally intertwined and even when you're holding your newborn but you're nursing your baby and it's just still this really intertwined thing and i think that the clinical term for what we're talking about is individuation. So as a child grows, they individuate away from the parents, away from the family unit into their own person. And I don't think anybody ever talks about like individuation for we as moms, but it's really healthy. Now I think, um, I honestly think that our world doesn't really respect that parents should have a say, like parents kind of become irrelevant in our cultural narrative sooner than I think that they should, or maybe not that they become irrelevant, but that our children are supposed to be individuated individuals um, and in charge of their own destiny and in charge of their own mind when maybe they don't actually have the wisdom and maturity to guide themselves. When I look at some of the frustrations that I have with teenagers at, at 17 and 16 and and all that right now, and I'm like, gosh, I can remember when I was your age and what my thought processes were, and I was so stupid, and I just want to save you from that. Um, and, you know, some of it is you have to let your kid make their own mistake, um, but part of it is you may really and truly want to give them guidance. Uh, so I really like, so to try not to ramble too much, I actually really like the way that uh, that raising children with love and logic looks at this, which is they say that as a parent, you're not supposed to be like totally hands off and leave your kid all to their themselves, but you also don't want to be like really kind of autocratic and controlling and dictatorial. They say, think about yourself more as a consultant. And I really like that because when you out a consultant, that's somebody who gives input, like a consultant to a company gives input to that company, but it's up to the company whether they take it or not. And the consultant, the company may reject the consultant's advice. Well, I think you're going to regret that, but then they go off and they consult with somebody else. Um, or the company takes their advice and the consultant can be like, yeah, that's all your results. But at the end of the day, it's you know, it's still the company's decision. The consultant's not going to parade around being like, you know, I told Apple to do that. You know, you never see that with a consultant. That's just not how they act. And so when we think about advising our children, it's really in a consultant role. And of course, there's going to be more, really the way it should be is there's much more intense parenting, like literally hands-on almost 24-7 with a newborn, and still very intense parenting with a baby, a toddler, a preschooler. And then there's going to be less and less, uh, but that's how it should be. It should be more intense with the younger children and gradually less as your child does develop his or her own wisdom. Um, but you you step back into that consultant role because I mentioned natural consequences earlier. You're going to let the child um, choose. So, for example, I can tell Galen, my 10-year-old, you know, you get to make a choice right now. You can talk back to me and not do what you're supposed to do, but then you're going to choose to lose screen time privileges because you know that screen time privileges tonight 
you have to complete your math and you have to do your cleanup in order to get screen time. And so it's really your choice. So I'm not emotionally tied to things. And that makes it a lot easier to parent. And when you're managing a lot of kids or when you're managing kids alone, you really have to get to that place where you're able to be more of a consultant, where you're able to say, and this goes back to what I said a few minutes ago about being consistent and intentional. So you've intentionally come up with these guidelines and this structure. But if your child chooses not to go along with that, then you that's your child's choice. And it I mean, in some ways it could reflect on us because if you're just a completely a parent who is completely neglectful or doesn't pay attention to your child or give them any boundaries or anything, well, changing that can change your child's choices. There's truth to that. But in general, you know, most of us are pretty good parents or with a little bit of help to develop some parenting skills, we become very good parents. And it's really our child's choices. And and I think one of the frustrations, I know one of the frustrations for a mom who's doing things all alone is sometimes when you feel like everything's in chaos, you just want to kvetch about people not doing anything and it's just exhausting. And so the what you have to do is you have to sit down and intentionally think about what will motivate my child and then how do I let them make the choice? I, I think for a lot of modern kids today, screen time is a big motivator. So I would make screen time something that they do not get unless they're going to help you out. And that looks different. You know, in my house, it's like school age kids that can have a little bit of screen time in the evening. So it doesn't work with preschoolers. But say, you know, my school age kids know, my elementary schoolers know they have to do their chores and they have to do their schoolwork. And with my older kids, you know, I have one kid who really struggles with, um, with treating uh, their sibling well, you know, not being mean to their siblings. And so this particular young person knows that, that they need to not only do school and chores, but that they need to be nice and respectful to siblings. And this child has actually so much trouble with it that I think that things come off of of the tongue before this child even realizes it. So my rule for this child is if I, if Kristen, if mama says, child, I need you to stop. You're not being kind. You're not being respectful. If this child stops and zips it essentially right then, okay, then we're done. That child made the right choice. If that child continues and that's one one problem this child has is we'll just just kind of go at the other person. Um, if I if I say okay, you need to stop. We need to process this in a healthier way. And the child doesn't stop. Then that child knows, you know, I'm choosing to lose privileges. So that's kind of an above and beyond that's tailored to. I mean, it applies to everybody, but it's really this particular child that has a big problem with it. So you can. You can, and and for me, and because that child has such a hard time with that particular thing, which is which is being mean to siblings, and, and you know, Mama Bear, Mama Bear doesn't, <laughs> it transcends flesh and blood. Like, if you have one child who's being really nasty to another child, you feel protective, and, and you have to guard yourself in multiple ways there, because sometimes the underdog is instigating things. So that's another reason to step back, so you can look at it with a fresh lens. Do I need to give the offending child, so to speak, um, 
some con or not give, but did, and that's another way to think about it differently, but did they choose some consequences? Um, but then does the underdog, did the underdog also do something to antagonize the situation and they may need some consequences too. And this is where if you're stepping back, it helps you. But like with this one child who is mean to siblings, like that mama bear, like I will feel like I'm about to explode. And this child also has a problem with being disrespectful to me, being disrespectful to parents. And that can be really difficult too. You feel like you're about to explode. Like I can feel my blood pressure rising when dealing with this young person. But that's where stepping back, looking at it in that consulting role, you know, if this child chooses that, or if this, you know, one of the toughest things can be, you know that everybody's looking forward to maybe watching this movie or maybe playing this game together or maybe having a treat. And you know the child is choosing behaviors that are going to lose them that privilege. And it may just, it tears you up. You feel sad or you're frustrated at a child, especially the older that they get. Like I'm talking about with this young person, they're being mean to people. And you're like, seriously, you know, you're being mean to a sibling that's 10 years younger than you and, and is way more immature than you. So, but you have to leave all that at the door, leave all that emotion at the door and just look at it as I'm helping these people understand that they have choices, that they have power in this situation and that they can choose different things. That's why with the child who's being mean, when I actually, when I talk to this child about it, I said, I want you to realize that even if they're making you upset or frustrated, you still have a choice in how you act. And that's what you want your children to realize is that they always have choices and that choices come with consequences. They could be good consequences. They could be bad consequences. Your job as a parent is to facilitate, um, I guess to kind of sound biblical about it, but is to kind of facilitate your child growing in wisdom. And that kind of wisdom and making good choices and not to get all emotionally tied up in it, which is really, really, really hard for moms to do. But when you're dealing with kids and when you're tired, exhausted, even leaving your emotion at the door and just letting the chips fall where the child chooses can help. And sometimes it may end up being like in my house I ended up taking boxes and garbage bags through because my younger kids were just not cleaning up after themselves. And I just got to the point where I was like, I can't do this because I'm turning into this monster of a mom screaming at everybody every afternoon to clean up when there's so much stuff we can't go through it. And so all that stuff is boxed up and in my closet. And eventually I'll go through it. If there's something particular a child wants and they want to negotiate with me to be able to get that out, Okay, but my house is my house is cleaner. My kids have less stuff, <laughs> but my house is cleaner. It, it, and it's just one of those things that it's a natural consequence. And so you may want to think about that. I know that we're getting a little bit long on this episode here. Um, so I think actually maybe we'll break this episode into two. I might go ahead and end here because I'm only halfway through my nose. So we've talked about routine and consistency having clarity for consistency and leaving your emotions at the door, which really ties back into if you have a routine. And I said, you know, the sun comes up in the morning. We don't really usually, I mean, we may grumble. I want to get out of bed, but we aren't, we don't, we don't have a personal vendetta against the sun. 
And then with consistency and clarity, again, it's just, it's actually really pulling emotion out of it. And this kind of sets a groundwork or a foundation for how do I manage these people, these interpersonal relationships? How do I facilitate my children getting through their day? And how do I facilitate my children growing in wisdom while keeping myself sane? These are kind of building block foundational steps to that. So I'm going to go ahead and end this episode and we'll pick back up here next week. So if you want more from me, um, emails every week with inspiration, encouragement, letting you know about new things going on, special offers, you can check out trustbirth101.com. That's trustbirth101.com to get on the newsletter list. I will look forward to seeing you there and I hope that you have a blessed week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.